1: on this Wednesday morning, November 29th. It's the next to last day of the month. Just seems like you blink and November's gone. So December starts Friday. So that means you got today and tomorrow. So don't don't turn that calendar just yet as if anybody still has the calendar on the wall. But I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams, Jimmy Pinch Hitting, as so gracious to do for Vince Ferrara today. And we have a lot we're looking forward to here in this last hour of the show. We'll tell you more about that in mere moments. But this is one of those points where we just like to stop the show, to give stuff away. We step to the plate at eight. So, Jimmy, um, first of all, it's great to have you back in this position to to be our lovely assistant. (laughs) What's the prize that's up for grabs this morning?
2: Oh well, uh, we got uh, the winner's going to get a certificate good for complimentary oil and filter change and a tire rotation and a wash and vacuum service from Ted Russell Nissan. It's located at 8565 Kingston Pike. Check out their current inventory at tedrussellnissan.com.
1: So do, do you want to handle the question, or do you want me to toss it out? There? You, you toss it out. Okay, so SEC Championship game. We, we've had one-and-dones the last two days. Let's see if that continues today. There are two teams that have played multiple times in the SEC Championship game but haven't won it. Name those two schools. Name the two schools that have played multiple times in the SEC Championship game in Atlanta but have not won it. 865-656-9900. 865-656-9900. We say good morning to Mark. Hello, Mark. How are you? Guys, it's like the old times. It's good to hear both of you today. Well, yeah. Thanks, Mark. You, you make the, the band back together yeah. when you're calling in with a shot of trivia. Okay. Oh, goodness. This is a good one. Um, it's made it multiple times but not want it. Correct. Golly. Uh, Missouri... And uh, Ole Miss.
3: Hmm.
1: You're half right. Off to a great start. I have a well, well and like nothing's ever
2: changed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well said, Mark. All Always right. great to hear from you. Have a great day. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Sure to appreciate it. We go next to Reese. Good morning, Reese. How are you?
4: Hey, doing great. I'm gonna say. Missouri, and let's see. I I know Mississippi State played in there once. Mm Mm-hmm. Not sure what. No, I'm gonna have to go with
1: Arkansas. Ooh. Well done. Missouri made it back-to-back years, 2013-2014, which were years 2-3 and for the Tigers in the SEC. Came in, won the East, back-to-back years after their first season. And then it was Arkansas, 95, 2002, and 2006. So the Razorbacks are 0-3, Missouri 0-2. And by the way, Mississippi State and South Carolina are the only other teams that made it without winning it, as each is 0-1. But, Reese, you are outstanding in your guess, You are correct. Jimmy, tell him what
2: he's won. He's got a certificate good for a complimentary oil and filter change, a tire rotation, and a wash and vacuum service from Ted Russell Nissan. So, Reese, congratulations to you, and uh, we'll get that prize to you. Thank you very much. I'm excited.
1: All right. Hang on the line. Have a great day, and we sure do appreciate it. So that takes care of today's opportunity to win. We'll do it again tomorrow when we step to the plate at 8. And now it's time for the walkthrough, the Wallace Walkthrough, brought to you by Wallace Real Estate. Earning the trust of generations of home buyers and sellers since 1936, they offer home buyers a way to create custom searches for all properties in East Tennessee. So you can start your home search today and learn more at all they can do for you, whether you're a buyer or a seller, at wallace.tn.com. And so, Jimmy, we saw the latest, it's the next to last. version of the college football playoff rankings they were revealed last night Tennessee held its same spot uh did not move up after beating Vanderbilt but also didn't fall as it dropped out mm-hmm. of the ESPN Power Rankings and the AP poll but Tennessee 21st in the fifth college football playoff rankings you saw a little shuffling in the top 4 as Ohio State lost to Michigan so it drops from the number 2 spot down to number 6 Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Washington number three, Florida State number four as championship week is upon us. What do you think in terms of that top four?
2: I would uh, have it the same way, And I thought it was uh, pretty neat to see Florida State win in spite of not having Jordan Travis or outstanding quarterback. Uh, Rottermaker did a nice job. They fell behind Florida 12, nothing mm-hmm. and rallied to win that. So um, uh, you hate to see a quarterback, an outstanding quarterback get hurt late. But I agree with the committee, don't penalize them until you see what the other guy does. I remember when Ohio State had a quarterback named uh, Cordell Jones in 2014, and folks wanted to penalize them, and the committee's like, no, no, let's see what he does. Well, he led them to a national championship. Yes, he did. So you never know. Um, I I agree with the rankings, have no problem with it, but I also don't expect chalk to uh, apply this weekend. It, It seldom ever does. And the one game, and I don't, know, I don't really think of this as an upset, but I do think Oregon's going to beat Washington. I think Oregon will find its way into the playoff with Georgia-Michigan. and Michigan's got Iowa. I can't see I, I was going to score six points. Mm-hmm. So that's all Michigan's got to do yes. is score more than that, and they're going to win. And Florida State against Louisville. Louisville lost to Kentucky. I like Florida State in with a backup quarterback. And I like Georgia over Alabama. A couple of years ago, Alabama beat Georgia, mm-hmm. and then both of them made the college football playoff. Uh, that I don't think that will happen this time around, although it might be a close call if Alabama beats Georgia.
5: Yeah.
1: Uh, once again, it, it proves Steve Spurrier's uh, contention <laughs> that it's easier to win a national championship yeah. than an SEC championship because Georgia's going for a three-peat in national championships just trying to win its second straight <laughs> SEC title.
2: Well, and, and the other things that could affect that, I mean, what if Florida State does lose? And what if uh, Washington loses to Oregon? I think Oregon jumps up. But if Florida State loses and Alabama beats Georgia, mm-hmm. now Texas has Oklahoma State, so there are going to be a lot of people. I think I think either Texas or, or Alabama would jump Ohio State. So depending on what happens, mainly with the Florida State game, uh, and a lot will argue, well, Texas beat Alabama head-to-head, so Texas should go. But if Alabama beats Georgia, that's a better win than any win Texas has. I agree. So there are a lot of ways to look at this. Now, I think it's gonna be fascinating to see what happens. Again, that would only apply Florida well, I think, if Florida State loses to Louisville. I don't think they will, but that could certainly open the door for a lot of debate.
1: I've never thought uh and still I like the four team playoff as opposed to the twelve team that it becomes next year, but I will agree. Could you imagine what it would be like getting ready for the 12-team playoff if that were in place for this season? Because you look at how many unbeaten teams, how many one-loss teams. It really would be a, a, an amazing bracket.
2: Yeah, it would be. And I was just looking at a list from the Blitz. that has the five undefeated teams. Now, one of those is Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it's got the seven one-loss teams. And four of those one-loss teams would easily be in the college football playoff, Oregon, Ohio State, Alabama, and Texas. The others are James Madison, Toledo, and Tulane. But there'd be some two-loss teams that would have some support. That's right. uh, In that regard. So, uh, yeah, it would be fun. Uh, As much as I love college football, I'm okay with going to 12 because that means more college football. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure that I 100% agree with the way they're putting this format together. But, well, and as uh, our friend Ryan McGee said, if, if they have actually been having a uh, almost a twelve team playoff for years, because some of these games we're seeing, Michigan and Ohio State, these are like playoff games, exactly to get you in. If so, you
1: don't win, you're yeah. not you're not going.
2: Right. So I thought that was an interesting perspective that he had on that. So, but anyway, a very exciting uh, time of year for college football.
1: What well, we've got coming up, Mike Keith will join us next. And then Danny White, Tennessee's Director of Athletics, will be around 8.35. So what we'll do is get a break now. We've got more sports as Benjamin Hardy has his report. And then Mike Keith joins us next. It's 8.12 as you listen to Sports Talk here on 99.1, the Sports Animal.
4: The Tennessee Vols football program officially finished the regular season ranked 21st in the college football playoff rankings. The Vols finished the regular season with an 8 4 record and a 4 4 record in SEC play. Five other SEC teams also made the top 25. Georgia finished at the top spot, Alabama at number 8, Missouri at number 9, Ole Miss at number 11, and LSU at number 13. Josh Heupel joins Felt Fulmer and Bill Battle as the only coaches to lead Tennessee to bowl berths in each of their first three seasons. Which bowl and who the Vols will play still remains undecided. Tonight the 10th ranked Tennessee men's basketball team traveled to Chapel Hill to face 17th ranked North Carolina. Coach Rick Barnes is 7 and 3 in his last 10 games against North Carolina, which include his 5 and 1 record when he coached at Texas. Tip-off is at 7:15 and you can catch all the action right here on the on the Sports Animal, either on the traditional FM frequency or our app. Also going on later tonight the the 20th ranked Lady Vols face off against 18th ranked notre dame at the food city center tip off for their matchup is at five and you can catch all that action on our am frequency as well as the alternative stream of our app and also on espn2 the lady vols first played against notre dame starting in 1983 and they have a 22 and 8 record against them with your sports animal sports minute this has been benjamin hardy stay tuned more sports talk is next
1: 819 on this Wednesday morning, temperature refusing to cooperate, 21 degrees as you make your way out the door. It is a beautiful start to the day, brilliant sunny skies. I'm John Wilkerson, and perhaps the man next to me, Jimmy Hyams, had something to do with that. Pinch hitting for Vince Ferrara as we head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline to say good morning to Mike Keith, Vice President of Broadcasting for the Tennessee Titans, as uh, the Titans coming off a win against Carolina. Mike, good morning, how are you? Good morning. Jimmy Himes is there. Yes. Hello, Mike. Hi. I, I, I thought you quit. I did. <laughs> well, for, I guess for about a
2: minute, I I, they, they opened I, the door guess, for me.
3: <laughs> I guess if Bobby Petrino can come back, you can too. Oh, 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 oh.
2: <laughs> I did arrive this morning on a motorcycle. Yeah. Talk about cold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mike, Sorry. Had, had to feel good to, uh, for the Titans just to, uh, to to get a win. And what do you think it meant to Will Levis to uh, to be a part of a second victory as well as the team just uh, going into what is still a stretch where they've got things on the line?
3: Yeah, we do. Um, I think it was just a positive step. I mean, let's face it, the Panthers are, are not a great team. Nobody's going to contend that you just overcame the Philadelphia Eagles in that game. You understand who you beat, but – To get a win in that situation is, is big for this young team and to also have the opportunity to kind of give yourself something to build on in places where you had not done well. The difference in the game ends up being a strip sack and then scoring a touchdown in the red zone and getting takeaways and red zone touchdowns have been problems for the Titans all year. So they certainly have something to build on. Uh, the energy around Ascension St. Thomas Sports Park was really good yesterday, and I'm sure it'll be great today. In, anytime you win, it, it gives you more of a surge, and that's what this ball club needed right now.
2: Mike, are you encouraged by the progress you have seen from Will Levis?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the real deal. Um, the thing about Levis that is, is just so impressive is he he knows how to play quarterback he understands how to to run everything he can make checks they have the ability with him because he's now started five games that they can make in-game adjustments with him um he he brought you know some things with him from Penn State and from Kentucky with the ability to get under center and and do a lot of things that some of the younger quarterbacks today don't do quite as naturally and so I think that from that standpoint, he was a little ahead of the game, and then he obviously has a great arm. He's a competitor. He's not afraid to take a hit. I think he has a lot of growing to do. But my, my sense with Levis is he needed the right situation, and I think he's come into the right situation with what the Titans have asked him to do. They, they basically Jimmy let him sit for six months and just watch. And then they put him in, and, and now he's having the opportunity to grow, and, and I I think he's the real thing.
2: You could argue that he's uh, the second-best quarterback out of the rookie class, but I want to ask you about C.J. Stroud. Why do you think he's been uh, so effective? Is he just better than the other quarterbacks? Has he gotten a better supporting cast? Do you think he's gotten better coaching? What's led to Stroud's success? Well, I
3: think for Stroud to go to Houston where they have an offensive line. You know, they have Laramie Tunsell and they I mean they have people that can protect him, so he does not take a lot of needless hits. They have drafted pretty well over the last few years in terms of some skill people and they picked up some skilled people. So they added pieces around him to give him a chance. And then listen, I, I think he's a great passer. I think he's a great passer. When I watched him play in college, I mean, he he was not throwing the football just to throw it. Um, He wasn't throwing the spots. I mean, he is very accurate. He has great arm. He's a wonderful athlete. He can get away. But golly, I mean, he puts it in great spots all the time. Now, the issue for him is he's going to see more and more things that he's never seen before down the stretch because there's a book on him now. How he responds to that and how he continues to grow from that will be the question. But, I mean, he is so gifted. And, again, I think if you put Bryce Young in Houston, I think Bryce Young probably looks a lot like C.J. Stroud does right now because it's just, I mean, like Carolina can't protect Bryce Young, but Houston can protect C.J. Stroud, and it makes a lot of difference.
1: Speaking of books, any chance that should he pen an, uh, a biography, would an autobiography, would Jeffrey Simmons title it, Give Me the Dang Ball? Could. <laughs> <laughs> <Good. laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of the look gives, for him in, in showing up on offense? I think it's good. I,
3: I think the, the Big Jeff package is something that gives us some versatility. Uh, the guys like it. You know, the mm-hmm. offensive guys like it when they see him come running out there and Suddenly he's on their side after he beats on them in practice. And now he's on their team. It's, it's so fun. Um, but I think it's a good look. And, you know, Jeffrey's a really good athlete. And so you can you could do some things with him blocking-wise. He can get out on the edge and, and make a block. Um, those are the sorts of things. You know, he was 225, 230 coming out of high school and continued to just massively grow when he was at Mississippi State, but not everybody could do that. You know, JJ Watt could do that too uh when, when Houston used to bring him in on offense. And I think I think Jeff has that same ability. So it's it's kind of like anything else. I mean Vrabel did it when he played for New England. Why shouldn't Jeff be able to do it for us?
1: You've got Houston, which is taking on Denver this week. You guys play host to the Colts and what is there a bigger surprise between the two in terms of both teams, six and five at this stage of the season? John, I think it's, it's Houston. I I, I don't think
3: anybody saw that the Colts were not as bad as their record last year. Uh, they're really good on defense. They have a bunch of pass mm-hmm. rushers and, you know, they got Michael Pittman jr and they drafted Josh downs and they've got backs and I, I mean, they, they got a nice club. And, and so I think, that part of it is not a not a huge surprise at this point. I think Houston is a bit of a surprise because of how well Stroud has played and how well D'Amico Ryans has done as a first-time head coach just running that team. Obviously, those guys are really playing for him. And that part of it, you know, you just don't know. You think. I mean, he seems like a, a natural, mm-hmm. but you just don't know. And uh, he's done a heck of a job so far.
2: Mike, uh New England's got one of the worst offenses in the NFL. They're 2 and 9. Could this be Bill Belichick's last season with the Patriots?
3: Sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's a distinct possibility based on the fact that I think ownership got used to going to the AFC Championship every year. Mm-hmm. Got used to going to Super Bowls and you know, you you can't do what they did over 20 years especially understanding what kind of fans the Crafts were remember they were season ticket holders back at the old Sullivan Stadium before he ever made any money so i mean he loves this stuff well then you have a 20 year period where you're the premier franchise in probably all of sports and now all of a sudden you're you know 2 and 9 i mean he's he's just not going to do that he's he's not holding on to a head coach over sentimentality He's he's you know and, and I think that the thing that kills Billichek in this instance is that he also has personnel control and I think do do you go to him and say we're going to bring in a GM I don't think that's going to work so yeah I think we could be we could be looking at the end of Billichek there I don't think he's done I think it's very possible he could be traded somewhere else uh, there's certainly a lot of you know, speculation in three or four different places that he could be there. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a distinct possibility.
2: I think that uh, Joe Milton's draft stock is intriguing. I've talked to somebody the other day that said he won't be drafted. I don't buy it. I think he's got too big of an arm not to be drafted. I think Anthony Richardson being the number four pick might help Milton's case. What do you see as far as Joe Milton in the draft?
3: I think the Richardson comp, is interesting except for the fact that Joe's, what, almost five years older than Anthony Richardson? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that hurts him in that respect. But listen, I think you're right from the standpoint that people are always going to be willing to roll the dice on somebody who could be a game changer. And with as many teams having quarterback problems as they do in the NFL right now, because they've had to go to backups, not having enough, uh, it's a it's a big deal. Milton is a Richardson comp in terms of size. I think he'll put on a show at the combine if he's invited. I think he'll have a chance to put on a show at one of the postseason bowl games if he's invited and decides to accept. So yeah, I think he'll be intriguing for someone. It would shock me if he were not drafted. Mm-hmm.
1: Mike, want to get one quick thought, and Sergio, appreciate your time as always, so good luck, have a great call against the Colts. But um, Derrick Henry, 9,000 yards in terms of his career, he he joins pretty elite company. What's it been like just to see him do what he's done and meant to the franchise?
3: Well, John, uh, five years ago this weekend, he wasn't even the starting running back for this franchise. He had fallen that far. He was in a slump. He was actually working his way through the slump. Uh, He had the famous conversation with Eddie George and he was, you know, battling his way back. He was running uh, with the scout team in order to get more reps. And then on December 6th, 2018, he went off on a Thursday night against Jacksonville for 238 yards and four touchdowns in that period of 70 games he's averaged over 100 yards rushing per game. He's rushed for nearly 7,400 yards in that time. Mm. He has had one of the greatest five-year streaks for a running back in the history of the game. And, I mean, I know you love Terrell Davis, and that's what he did in order to earn a Hall of Fame uh, nod. I think with Henry getting to 9,000 yards and looking at this five-year period he's had, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer.
1: Certainly has done everything he can to, uh, to, to uh, get the Titans to where they've been in terms of his time with the franchise. But, Mike, again, best of luck. Uh, go get the Colts, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Jimmy. Same here, Mike. Mike Keith joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. We'll get a break when we return. Tennessee Director of Athletics Danny White next on Sports Talk on 99.1 The Sports Animal. 837 Sports Talk. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. Jimmy pinch hitting for Vince. We head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline as we get to say good morning to Tennessee Vice Chancellor and Director of Athletics, Danny White. Danny, good morning. How are you? Doing
5: great. Good morning, guys.
1: Morning, Danny. Good morning has to be a great feeling to uh, to see the season end the way it did, and that was a 13th straight sellout at Neyland Stadium, and just to see uh, such a, an important group of seniors, uh, for those that don't have any eligibility left, go out with a flourish with so many strong performances.
5: Yeah, awesome uh, to see the team play well, especially some some senior highlights. Always great to win on senior day, and uh, grateful to our fans. Though uh, 13th straight sellout is just awesome. We have some some really uh, exciting metrics we'll be sharing, just in terms of where where we're ranking overall attendance within the SEC and nationally, and uh, it's it's impressive stuff. We got the best fan base in, in, in sports, and uh, and, and we're uh, really really appreciative of how they supported the team this year.
2: Danny, we've seen a lot of projections of Tennessee going to the Gator Bowl, but I wonder, from your perspective, do you look at a destination which may be an area in, within the recruiting footprint? And maybe that would that and coach hyper would say, "Hey, that's the bowl game we want to go to because that's the area where we recruit."
5: Uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton of factors. Um, your recruiting is is certainly one of them. Uh, I think about our our student athletes and their families, and um, uh, uh, the location, date of the game. Those things are are important, uh, but but probably most important when you have a season like like we we've had and our. Continuing to have going into the postseason, um, uh, you know, what 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 kind of represents a, a uh, you know the, the, the success that our team earned. You know what's mm-hmm. what's the, the, the best way to celebrate uh, what they earned, and so the bowl experience and those things are are really important from that aspect.
2: With the portal opening up December the fourth, how difficult is it, do you think, for roster management, and is there any chance of changing the calendar to help the coaches a little bit? <laughs>
5: I think we got a lot of work to do on the calendar it's uh this time of year is brutally hard uh for everyone involved it it's it's tough on the really tough on the coaches i think it's it's tough on the student athletes uh there's a lot of people in their ear at a time when uh they should probably be focused on finals uh at the end of the fall semester uh so um i think i, I think there's across a lot a lot of sports football may be the worst at this point uh, just with all the change that we've had nationally in the last couple of years, NIL, the, the transfer portal, um, uh, coming off of COVID, we made all those changes on the fly around recruit, the recruiting calendar. And I, I think we, we, we've got, gotten to a place where it's, 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 uh, it's probably not sustainable, what we're, what we're doing right now, and we got to tighten some things up. And uh, I know I'm not the only one saying that. A lot of people realize that we've just got to get together, uh, get organized nationally, and, and kind of re- reimagine uh, the, the calendar, in my opinion.
1: Well, you would think that something has to give because I, I think it's more demanding. And now granted, you can point to other sports and see that they have similar uh, trials, but at the same time, you've got the end of the regular season, so you've got the exit interviews, you've got uh, like 20 guys that have the opportunity to come back for another year, so there are those conversations to be had. At the same time, you're finishing off your high school recruiting class, your great group of prospects that have already been pledged and and trying to nail down a couple of other prospects, and as Jimmy mentioned, you've got the portal, all of that with the current volunteers trying to finish the semester and and get everything ready in that regard. Um, I mean, for instance, last Last year you have TCU playing for a national championship, and the week that it's preparing for its game with Georgia, they're hosting visitors that are trying to make their decision from the portal. Uh, it it really doesn't seem like that, that football coaches can focus on as much football as they would like to at the end of a, either a championship week or getting ready for a bowl game.
5: Yeah, no question. And getting ready for the bowl game, we talk about the opportunity to play in a bowl game, you know, obviously we want to be playing in, in the biggest bowl games and, and uh, eventually be competing in, in the playoffs and, and for a national championship. But every bowl game is a great opportunity to uh, to grow as a team. You know, bowl practice is valuable; those extra practice dates and all those times. So, uh, yeah, I, I I agree on all accounts. It's, it's, a, it's a tough set of circumstances right now.
2: Danny, we know the SEC is going to have an eight-game conference schedule in 2024. Do you think a permanent decision will be made at the spring meetings, or perhaps even before the SEC spring meetings?
5: I, I could see either, Jimmy. Um, uh, I don't know that it can go much beyond that, if at all. I mean, certainly we got to we got we to gotta have some certainty at at some point, uh, pretty early on in in, in next calendar year uh, for the twenty five season and beyond. Um, But uh, I know the commissioner and others are are working hard on it and uh, and we'll be continuing to to work on it as a group of ADs to to make sure we're making the right right choice for the long term. Um, But having clarity and transparency around an easily understandable um, uh, cycle with scheduling, I I think is going to be uh, really valuable. I think it'd be a huge upgrade for our fans. And as you guys have heard me say before, what I'm really excited about is just the diversity of opponents, home and away, mm-hmm. to get through uh, all 16 teams in the conference, home and away, in a four-year cycle. It's just going to be really cool, and I think a really a fun, fresh look at, at scheduling for our fans and for our student athletes.
2: A few years ago, Tennessee going eight and four would be celebrated. And now we've got Ramel Keaton saying, "Nope, that's that's not where we want to be. Our, our expectations are a national championship or an SEC championship." Do you like to see the greater expectations that have been created by Josh Heupel?
5: Yeah, and love to see that from Ramel as a as a, a leader on the team and a and a competitor. You know, we want to win every single game, and uh, I'm sure he and and the whole team would love to be sitting at 12 and 0 right now instead of eight and four. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm not surprised to see expectations rising knowing uh, who Josh is as a football coach and a leader and, and the culture he's building. And we do expect to compete, as I just mentioned, uh, at the very highest levels around here in every single sport. Uh, and, and in football, we think we can compete for SEC and national championships. But it's a process, and there's and it's not going to be linear. Uh, I've said that since day one. Um, You know, last year we won 10 regular season. This year it's eight. I don't know what next year will bring, but I'm I'm more concerned about what's happening in that building day in and day out, building the the culture right, building the foundation right. Uh, And if we continue to do that, uh, we'll really like the outcome.
1: Speaking of building, a lot of activity, as we've talked about, going on at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. But uh, since we last spoke with you, what was it like? How enjoyable was it to have the uh, the groundbreaking ceremony, to have Todd Helton, and, and just to go through what is such a milestone and what is the future of the venue?
5: It was so fun to have Todd there, and I know our players got a kick out of that. I know Brady Hart, our uh, uh, executive associate AD over the Tennessee Fund, uh, made a joke in his comments about uh, – playing Nintendo back in the day with, with Todd Helton as the character, and now he's, he's good to meet him in the flesh. Uh, but uh, uh, we had so many uh, great uh, donors there, uh, leadership donors to the project. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Tony, and it was great to hear him speak, and the leadership that he's uh, given to, to really reimagine Tennessee baseball and I, I think raise the sights for everyone involved with the program and what it can be and. Uh, We've seen, as as you guys know, just sellout after sellout. And the fan attendance, the demand for seats in the new stadium is off the charts. Uh, So couldn't be more excited to get uh, the first phase done this year and then the second phase and the really impactful part with the new tower for the 25 season. But uh, it's been a a long time coming, getting through uh, 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 just the the process uh, uh, to, to get that Get to groundbreaking it felt felt like a moment uh, even though I, I i've known for some time obviously that and we've been under construction uh but uh, you know having those ceremonial moments in time getting it uh, just a chance to to realize uh you know all the all the work that went into to making that happen and, and all the generosity from so many donors to, to make it happen so a great day for sure
2: danny how much do you like the sec acc challenge and to see a tennessee play a North Carolina, which uh, certainly garners a lot of attention.
5: Uh, it's 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 a cool opportunity. I mean, we're going to go to an iconic building tonight and and play one of the best uh, brands in, in college basketball. And uh, I think we have one of the best teams in college basketball this year. I'm so excited about our roster, and uh, and we have so many new pieces. We're far from a finished product, and. Uh, uh, but, uh, hopefully, uh, we can, we can find a way to pull out a win. Uh, it's going to be a tough environment and, and, and a, a really good opponent, but, uh, I, I think the SEC ACC challenge is going to be great. It's exciting here in year one and it's going to be great for a long time.
1: So much going on, and as you mentioned, the bar is, is high for all Tennessee programs, but the, the cross-country programs, Vols and Lady Vols, uh, uh, they swept the NCAA South region before competing in the championships. First time it had been a while since both had done that. And then you look at what volleyball is getting ready to do. Host for the first time since 2011, uh, Coach Watt, one of four that shared Coach of the Year honors in the Southeastern Conference, three members of the All-SEC team, as well as the Scholar-Athlete, of the year so i know you're proud of so many of these fall programs that are now into the their championship stage or they've just completed their season and their postseason
5: no question we talk about building the championship culture and being excellent in all 20 sports uh really impressed with what sean carlson on the cross-country side has done in just a short time only a second season and to finish where we did nationally both men and women we racked up a whole lot of Learfield All-Sports points uh, <laughs> there that we didn't get in previous years. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, and we have the chance to do the same thing here at NCAAs with volleyball. Uh, congrats to, to Eve, as I, I think I put out on Twitter a few days ago, uh, uh, earning SEC Coach of the Year. But she's just done a phenomenal job. And this team's been fun to watch. Uh, for folks that haven't seen our volleyball team compete, I encourage you to, to get to the Food City Center this weekend uh, uh, for uh, for NCAA play. Opportunity, as you say, to host uh, NCAA games for the first time in, in a while. It's been a, about a decade. And uh, uh, We get two wins here. Advance to the Sweet 16 would be a, a big-time accomplishment and, and uh, hopefully continue to compete beyond that.
1: Also love the fact that you uh, are – of course encourage folks to text a buddy when it comes to perhaps some frustrations but i also love the fact that you clap back at other schools administrators who decide that somehow a wrestling match is broken out in a
5: basketball game <laughs> maybe i should have taken the text there but i couldn't <laughs> couldn't couldn't help myself i, I didn't i i, I don't know that i didn't feel like that was an objective stance uh so i felt like i needed to to even the conversation a little bit
1: that's right but way to stand up for the vols and lady vols yeah. as you are always willing to do <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for the time good luck with everything can't wait to see where tennessee goes bowling but we look forward to talking to you again soon no
5: question thanks for having
1: me guys Thanks, danny. thank you danny white joining us on the stanley fencing and gates hotline what we'll do is get a break we've got more sports with benjamin hardy and then we close out today's edition of sports talk that's next on 99.1 the
0: sports animal
4: The Tennessee Vols football program officially finished the regular season ranked 21st in the College Football Playoff rankings. The Vols finished the regular season with an eight and four record and a four four record in SEC play. Five other SEC teams also made the top 25. Georgia finished at the top spot, Alabama at number eight, Missouri at number nine, Ole Miss at number 11, and LSU at number 13. Josh Heupel joins Phil Fulmer and Bill Battle as the only coaches to lead Tennessee to bowl. Births in each of their first three seasons. Which bowl and who the Vols will play still remains undecided. Tonight, the 10th-ranked Tennessee men's basketball team traveled to Chapel Hill to face 17th-ranked North Carolina. Coach Rick Barnes is 7 and 3 in his last 10 games against North Carolina, which include his 5 and 1 record when he coached at Texas. Tip-off is at 7:15, and you can catch all the action right here on the Sports Animal, either on the traditional FM frequency or our app. Also going on later tonight, the 20th-ranked Lady Vols basketball team face off against 18th-ranked Notre Dame at the Food City Center. Tip-off for their matchup is at 5, and you can catch all that action on our AM frequency, as well as the alternative stream of our app, and also on ESPN2. The Lady Vols first played against North Carolina starting in 1983, and they have a 22-8 and record against them. With their Sports Animal Sports Minute, this has been Benjamin Hardy. Stay tuned. More sports talk is next.
1: 8.56. Sure to appreciate the time with Mike Keith, Danny White, And especially Jimmy Himes. Jimmy, thank you so much for pinching for Vince today.
2: Always a pleasure. I appreciate you asking me.
1: So, Lady Vols this afternoon at 5. Folks can follow that starting at 4.30 on AM 990. The game tips off at 5. And then for the volunteers, Tennessee will have coverage starting at 6.30 as that game tips off at 7.15. But... Folks know where their home for the Vols is, but what do you think in terms of Lady Vols Notre Dame and Tennessee at North Carolina?
2: Really intrigued by the Tennessee-North Carolina. The key there is to neutralize Baycott, and also Tennessee if they can shoot well from the perimeter. With the Lady Vols, who knows when Rakia Jackson is going to return, but we've talked about how it it opens the door for a Jasmine Powell or maybe a Jules Spear or some others to step up and play and to learn how to play without Rakia Jackson. So I think there is a a long-term benefit for the Lady Vols not having Jackson right now.
1: Again, thank you very much. Always great to cross paths, and I uh, hope we do it again soon.
2: Me too, John. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That's Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Big thank you to Benjamin Hardy taking care of everything on the other side of the glass. And as always, thanks most of all to you for listening. That does it for today's edition of Sports Talk. Make it a wonderful Wednesday. And Vince Ferrara and Jay Graham have you tomorrow morning. Up next, it's the Eric Show with Brian Rice on 99.1 The Sports Animal.